Great. Well, can I encourage you to turn to Romans chapter 5? We're going to be looking at the first 11 verses. And whilst you're finding that passage, uh, I found out just after 7 o'clock this morning that I was uh, going to have to speak at the 10 o'clock this morning and then the 4 o'clock this afternoon. And when I opened up uh, the passage, I couldn't quite believe how specific and without a shadow of a doubt, God ordained that this passage is for the Church of Jesus Christ today. And this is a passage that churches all throughout Christendom are looking at uh, today. And I believe it's a specific passage that God has given us and uh, he wants to speak to us all through it today. Romans 5, beginning at verse 1. Therefore, since we are justified by faith... We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have obtained access to this grace in which we stand, and we boast in our hope of sharing the glory of God. And not only that, but we also boast in our sufferings, knowing that suffering produces endurance, and endurance produces character, and character produces hope, and hope does not disappoint. Because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. For while we were still weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. Indeed, rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though perhaps for a good person someone might actually dare to die. But God proves his love for us in that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Much more surely then, now that we have been justified by his blood, we will be saved through him from the wrath of God. For, in, for if while we were enemies we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, much more surely, having been reconciled, we will be saved by his life. But more than that, we even boast in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received reconciliation. This is the word of the Lord. You know, I don't know if you are here today and you are a follower of Jesus Christ. Perhaps you're not. But what happens when you give your life to Jesus, when you start beginning to believe in Jesus Christ as Lord and Saviour? Something happens. Something like an exchange You see, what we do is we give Jesus all of our sin and he gives us all of his righteousness and forgiveness. There's quite simply nothing we can do to earn any of that. We cannot work for it. It's not something we can simply win, but it is only through Jesus that we can receive God's forgiveness. It's a gift to you and to me. Yet even when we know this, for those of us who are followers of Jesus, we sometimes find it difficult, don't we, to accept that, to receive it, to be true and real for us. And even when we do accept it, sometimes we abuse it and we take it for granted. The first verse of this passage tells us three things, that we're justified by faith, that we have peace because of it, through Jesus Christ. Three things. And Paul wants us to know how important this message of what Jesus has done for us is. So what does he do? He starts this passage with the word 
therefore. Now, when Paul starts a piece of text with the word therefore, it's deliberate. He wants our ears to stand up high. He wants us to listen because what he is about to share is important. It reminds me of Rachel, my wife, when she's telling our girls off. She always says, Amara Eve. It's always the middle name. And you know she means business. Phoebe Elise. Lee Edward. (laughs) To be honest, she uses my name more than the girls. But I believe as well that this is a therefore moment in our time today. In the situation, the life circumstances that we're all involved in, this is a therefore moment. And we must listen to what is going on around us and to what God is saying to us. Because we live in this world, don't we, of anxiety, of agony and distress. We're living in such times now. The world is gripped, as we've heard, as we know by this pandemic, a virus that seems to be uncontrollable. The normality of society is shifting. Nations and now the whole continents are looking very different from normal. People are literally fighting to fend for themselves. Panic buying essentials from the supermarkets, leaving the most vulnerable without those essentials. This is desperate times. People turning against each other, arguing who was the first to pick up the last packet of Andrex toilet tissue. This is happening on our local high street, folks. Isn't it interesting how something like what the world is facing now reveals our true character? You know, what happened to when when someone sneezes down the street, what happened to, bless you? Have you noticed that's gone quiet? No one blesses anyone anymore. You just get the look. Where's bless you gone? Normality is shifting. And we're left with the question, where is our peace found? Is it really in filling our cupboards with food stuff? I've just seen what the kids are eating in there. It's a massive, massive pasta. There must be about three packets of pasta in that pasta dish in there. So if you want any at the end, then I'm sure there's loads left. You know, it isn't found, peace isn't found in being the most prepared for a potential quarantine situation. No, of course it's not. But get this, the President of the United States of America yesterday announced a national day of prayer today in his nation. Now, how interesting. The world's most powerful leader, unable to give the world the peace and assurity the stability needed. So what does he do? But he points to the one thing that can give that, prayer. Prayer to our Lord and Saviour, Jesus Christ. And Paul in this passage is doing a similar thing. He's encouraging us, you and me, not to look at ourselves as being our own saviours, but to look at Jesus, the one who can bring all peace by what he has done for us on the cross in dying for us. We no longer have to be afraid, wandering around this life like lost sheep. Our sin and all that is wrong with the world no longer has to have a grip on us. 
You know, peace isn't found in the cupboards of our own lives. It's found in Jesus Christ. And we've got to ask the question, why does fear then so often have a grip on us? Because we realize we're not actually in control of our own lives. And that's the truth. We're not in control of our lives. So the only way to tackle fear is to put our faith in Jesus, who is in control. And we can all know that peace, the peace that surpasses all of our understanding, because Jesus dying on the cross has made us right with God. We've been made just. Nothing that we have done, it's all that he has done for you and for me. That's why when we look at verse 2, it says the grace in which we stand. We literally stand in the grace of Jesus Christ. We've gained access by what God has done for us, his love for us. We don't deserve it. We're all sinners. We all do wrong. We always let God down. But this is grace. It's what he has done for us, his love for us. And we stand not as cast out sinners, but as forgiven sinners. And that's why we can all rejoice. That's why we can be people full of joy, pointing to the glory of God. You know, when we realize what God has done for us, we begin to be a people that rejoice. We should be people who rejoice, are full of the joy of the Lord. And it's more than just being happy. It's more than just smiling to your friends and to your family and the people on the street. It's more than that. It's an inner joy that keeps our eternal perspective on Jesus. It's something that keeps the light on in the darkest of days. And that's what we need today. You know, in the last moments of Martin Luther's life on earth, he was asked by his good friend, Justus Jonas. He said this, Do you want to die standing firm on Christ and the doctrine you have taught? And he answered emphatically, Yes. Followed by the words, We are beggars. This is true. We're all beggars. But will we declare that the truth of Jesus Christ is true? Will we be like Luther, that when death and darkness stirs us in the face, will we stand firm in the grace of what Jesus has done for us and declare, yes, Jesus, you are true? Because we only have to look at the following verses, verses three to five, to know that hope and grace isn't just for the good times when the sun's shining, when everything is hunky-dory. Because even in the suffering moments, we still have hope. Hope in Jesus. You know, Paul knew that himself. He was imprisoned. He suffered. Yet he could still speak of hope. He rejoiced in his sufferings. A couple of years ago, um, I and maybe some of you here, I had the privilege of meeting a North Korean lady called Hee Woo. And uh, she, she was absolutely incredible. 
her story of faith in times of suffering and persecution was quite honestly remarkable. And just to give you a little bit of background, in North Korea, there are between 50,000 and 70,000 Christians being held in horrific labor camps simply for daring to believe in Jesus. Hiwu, she was imprisoned in one of these camps. And when she arrived at the prison camp where she was held, there was a sign. And the sign said this, do not try to escape, you will be killed. And she said the guards were merciless. They kicked her, they beat her with sticks. Christians were sometimes killed or locked up for the rest of their lives in concentration camps. She said, Christians constantly were dying. Death was part of our daily life. The bodies were burned and the guards scattered the ashes on the pathway. And every day we walked down the path and I always thought one day the other prisoners will be walking over me. These camps were quite literally hell on earth. Yet she declares that God is good, that God was at work in that place. She said, God helped me to survive. Even more, he gave me a desire to evangelize among the other prisoners. He showed me who I should approach. And God used me to lead five people to faith in Jesus. How did she do it? She met out a view of the guards. Often that meant meeting in the toilets. And there she held a short service for them. She said, I taught them the Bible and I taught them songs to sing, which we sang almost inaudibly. And one of the songs she sang when she was imprisoned was Amazing Grace. And when she was asked what that song meant for her, she said, there have been so many moments in my life where I should have died, but I'm still alive. Thanks to God's amazing grace. How can Hiwu rejoice even though she's imprisoned? She's suffering daily. How can she sing amazing grace? She was surrounded by death, by torture, by extreme darkness and uncertainty. How can she rejoice? Well, of course, it wasn't because she enjoyed it. It wasn't, of course, because she, de- she was denying it, it was going on. It's because of her deep trust in Jesus Christ. And that deep trust gave her hope for the future. We only have to look at the passage. Let's look at verse 3. What does suffering produce? Endurance. What does endurance produce? Character. And what does character produce? Hope. And what does hope do? Not disappoint. Our hope is in Jesus Christ. And that's why she could rejoice in the face of suffering. Now her story is pretty extreme. But you and me 
might have similar situations in which we face, where we feel like we're suffering, we're facing the darkest of days. And the Christian life never promises to be an escape from the world's problems. It never promises to be comfortable and cushy. Quite the opposite, in fact. And our challenge is not how do we avoid it, how do we escape it, hide away from it. But our choice, our decision to make is how will we deal with it when it comes? Church, we have a real opportunity over the coming days to make the gospel of Jesus Christ known. The message of peace and of hope known to our communities, to our city here in Newcastle, to the nation we love and to the nations of the world that we've been sent to. Will we be carriers of peace and hope? Will we continue to rejoice in the face of suffering? And some of us, if you're like me, you have days when you think, oh, well, why bother? What is the point? It's too difficult. And we have a significant decision to make. Church, we either go into a lockdown situation like some nations already have, or we can choose to be the church unleashed. Where's the fastest growing church in the world? Iran. No buildings, secret meetings. Preaching in the local language, Farsi, is illegal. Converting from the home language, Islam, is illegal. Christians face persecution and prosecution for their faith in Jesus. But nothing will quench the gospel of Jesus Christ. It's the fastest growing Christian nation on planet Earth. And you know what? Our meetings in the coming days may have to look a little bit different. The way we do things, normality, may have to be shaken up. Our priorities, or what we think are our priorities, may have to change. But I say, let's declare, bring it on. You know, this could be the time when the church rises up. When it realigns its mission and it's propelled into the world to see God's kingdom come and God's kingdom reign. Church, this is no doubt a significant moment in all of our lives. We've been told that even on the news by the authorities, by the government today, this is going to affect every single one of us in some way. But will we be a church that stands firm and declares faith over fear? Because the church ultimately is the hope for the world. This could arguably be the best moment for the church, a crucial moment for us to rise up. And God, of course, hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but he's given us a spirit of power and of love. And it may seem that the most powerful thing at the moment is this contagious virus, but the real power is in the Holy Spirit. And he lives in each one of us, each one of us who profess to believe in Jesus Christ. And get this, the same power that raised Jesus from the dead lives in you and lives in me. 
The grave couldn't contain Jesus, and neither will the grip of a virus contain the church of Jesus Christ. Who's the one who saves? God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. You know, in these latter verses, verses 5 to 8, we see Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Because all three members are involved in our salvation. Because God has poured out his love into our hearts by the Holy Spirit whom he has given us. Christ died for the ungodly. You see, what's happened is God loves us so much that he sent his son Jesus to be the bridge, to bridge the gap between us and God. And then the Father, the Son, send the Holy Spirit to fill our lives with love and enable us to live by his power today. When we were weak, when we were helpless, when we are weak, when we are helpless, there's nothing we can do that will save ourselves. Someone had to come and do it. And so who is that person? It's the same person in whom we find peace and hope, Jesus Christ. The wonderful thing about the gospel and the message of Jesus is that it's not just for the elite. It's not just for the successful. It's not just for the ones who behave. It's not just for the ones who are most academic or who live in the nicest houses. The gospel of Jesus Christ is for every single person. And while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Verse 8. While we were crippled with fear, Christ chose to die for you and for me. And this has to be our message from today and in the coming days. That we would rise up, that we would be a church that proclaims Jesus Christ has been hope and peace in a time of global uncertainty. You know, God, the God of the universe who created all things, who knows all things, knows the number of hairs in our heads and the thoughts before we've even thought them ourselves. He is concerned with the nature and condition of our hearts. And nothing changes about that, given the uncertainty we're faced with. God is concerned with every single individual on planet Earth. And wouldn't it be wonderful if out of the ashes of the darkest of days that we may face rises up the wonderful, beautiful bride of Christ, the church. Wouldn't it be great if the church rose victorious so that we would see our nation, the nation, the nations changed? May we be fearless in the grip of a contagious virus and may we be more confident in the contagious gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's pray.